0: Welcome to today's Design Leadership Podcast, where we will be speaking with Philip Thompson. Philip is currently the Vice President of Design at Intuitive, a leading robotic surgical company located in Sunnyvale, California. Philip has a very extensive career leading and managing design over the past 30 years for world leading companies such as Electrolux, Whirlpool Corporation, Masco, and Newell Rubbermaid. Philip, so, thank you for joining us today. We're very excited to have you on the podcast to hear about your background and your uh, viewpoints on design in the world. To get going, I know you've had a very interesting career. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to your current role?
1: Hi, Jay. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I've been very fortunate. I have had a, a very interesting, successful, enjoyable career. My background, I mean, I've always had a passion And a desire to to be a designer and to work in in the field of design it's not something i mean some folks discover this later in life and have several previous careers in my case this is something i've always wanted to do from a very young age so i feel very fortunate in that sense having uh, undergraduate and a postgraduate in industrial design uh 20 30 years ago dare i say now and then having had the fortune to work for some of the world's largest and you know most successful corporations uh primarily it's, i mean i've always worked in-house in-house design organizations there was a brief stint after university when i did a little bit of consulting work but um you know the absolute majority has been in-house and it's been great great uh, i know you've had
0: the chance to work for some some amazing companies and some amazing brands and uh, hopefully yeah. we can uh you know kind of refer back to some of those Uh, But looking back at your career, Philip, is there a key memory or a defining moment that stands out as maybe a catalyst in your career or just a key memory in general?
1: Yeah, I've thought about this question a little bit before. And I think what is that thing that makes you have an interest in, in design at a young age? And for me, I think that inflection point was actually a very specific, the Charles and Ray Eames movie, Power of Ten i remember seeing that when i was about 7 years old and you know it was just and, and ever since then i've thought back on it and thought about the context of what it shows the idea of you know the the person lying on a blanket in a chicago park having a picnic etc and then the camera zooms out and you know to the power of 10 out into deep outer space and then zooms in uh, down to a molecular and, and atomic level you know, so that was just sort of this idea that everything is, everything is designed. You know, there is, there is a relationship and a little bit like the Saarinen quote, you know, a, a chair within a room, a room within a house, a house within a community. So there was that sort of, you know, this stuff doesn't happen by accident. There is somebody at some point creates something and there is factors at play as to, you know, from a technology standpoint and economic standpoint, a societal, you know, what's going on that, that inspires that. So that was sort of, that's a very, I you know, look back and thought, what was it? That was a very important moment, I think, a very memorable moment. And then after that, I think it's just been, um, you know, a love of problem solving and making things. And I think, again, I feel lucky that I actually discovered that design was a profession that you could actually go to college and pursue a career in and that it, it was a combination of art and science. You know, I, I, you know I, I like that space, left and right brain, thinking and doing, you know, I, all of that. I think, I think that's actually one of the nicest things about design is it, it's very open. It's very fluid. You can, you can apply it to, to just about everything. So, yeah, that's, that's, I think, how I would sum that up. Yeah,
0: no, that's uh, awesome to hear. Uh, we're fortunate enough to be just a few uh, miles away from the Eames house, uh, inspiring mm. for me still as I bring folks and visitors uh, and clients to to see this the studio and see It's kind of that timeless classic design and uh, of course bit yeah. more one the arts and crafts movement as you said now it's evolved much more to the, the left and right brain uh, But still yeah. a great uh, inspiration for many in the design community mm-hmm. Looking back in your career as well. I'm curious to know if there's any major hurdles or roadblocks that you've come across that you care to share maybe what those were, and more importantly, how you overcome those.
1: Uh, I think in in all situations, there are, you know, know the roadblocks, there are headwinds and tailwinds, right? There are things that are playing to your favor, you know, and then there are things that are just hills you've got to climb. So the headwinds might be as broad as, is there even a design function? Is the design, is the role of that design team understood? Is it understood in the way you, believe it should be understood. Are you working on the right things? Do you have the right resources and relationships and skill sets, et cetera, to do those things? So I don't know if they're roadblocks, they're just constants that you need to be aware of. And then I think the tailwinds are, you know, always that if you if you're fortunate enough to work for a company that is, you know, embracing organic growth and looking for innovation and invention and has got a powerful story to tell and has got a great differentiator in the form of technology or a brand or whatever it might be, then I think you just have to sort of capitalize on that. So again, I, you know, it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it's a balancing act. I think, uh, again, you just have to know like with any design problem, you know, what am I trying to solve and, and can I solve it and how do I solve it to the best of the, uh, you know, the best of the ability.
0: Yeah. And that's a great point. I think we see a lot of designers that are great with the design process for products and services, but they don't maybe apply that to their own career, right? So how do you kind of use the design process and, and troubleshoot to, to overcome some, some maybe internal challenges?
1: Yeah. I remember when someone told me when I was younger in university, they said I was very pragmatic. And at the time, I've often, <laughs> I was quite insulted by that. I'm like, oh, that, that that sounds dull. That sounds, that's not something you want to be, right? Pragmatic. But as I've gone on, I've actually thought, no, I think that actually is a good thing that you can balance. You can set expectations. You know, you want to set a bar and you want to set it high, but you want to be realistic and you want to achieve goals and you want to have those goals be recognized so that, you know, the team gets more investment and continues to scale and grow and apply. So it's about, it's about balance again.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, you know very well. I mean, it's about to, as the saying goes: head in the cloud and feet on the ground. Right? You got to be the, yeah. the dreamer and the ideator, yep. but also pragmatically yep. uh, based in, in
1: making yep. sure that those, uh, those yeah yeah exactly exactly well said yeah.
0: Uh, Philip, so you, you know, we mentioned you have a very interesting role. Some some uh, amazing companies getting to where you're at today. I think the majority are are correct me if I'm wrong, but mostly consumer product roles. Uh, but yep. you're in a little bit of a different role now. So I um, wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your current role and, in general, what role is design playing part in that organization and those solutions?
1: Yeah. So my current role is VP of Product Design at Intuitive Surgical, or Intuitive as it's now called. I've been here uh, just under four years. It's an incredible company. It's about 25 years old. It makes minimally invasive robotic uh, surgical robot. So, um, uh, it's best known for its Da Vinci system. Uh, it also has an ion system that's just launched recently as well. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, um, absolutely changed the the landscape of minimum invasive surgery. So what was traditionally laparoscopic surgery, you know, open surgery then becomes laparoscopic surgery. And now you have, uh, you know, they brought the computer into the OR and you have this, system that allows a surgeon to sit at a console and to perform uh robotic surgery um so that's that's it's amazing and it's and like you said it's very different to places i've worked at before this is uh, a much younger company in a way it still has much more of an entrepreneurial spirit i would say than places i've worked prior It uh, feels a little bit like a startup in some days you know the the senior leadership team have been here a long time they uh, well not a, long, a long time in the sense of since the beginning of the company, and they have a deep knowledge of the product and the industry and a passion and a belief in it. They're absolutely product people again some places you you may work that you find that leadership is more interested maybe in market share or share price or whatever it might be and and not so. In tune or immersed in the actual products and services that a company build, that is not the case here. So that's that's a, a real blessing, if you like. And in terms of the positioning of design, you know, it's um, has a senior level uh, sponsorship and belief in it. And I think again, it's it's evolving from a sort of an, an engineering core and a foundation where it was ab- about proving a technical. Uh, the technical feasibility to do something. And then there was the sort of clinical, is it viable? Does it actually do what it says it does? And I think now we're sort of evolving into a large organization where it's actually, you know, it's about making an ecosystem of products and services that are actually, in, you know, literally like the name says, intuitive to use They're an integrated solutions. So it's, 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 I guess in, in short, it's, um, it's a very entrepreneurial pioneering company, uh, it's doing extremely purposeful work. When you work on a product that is literally, you know, helping to improve the quality of people's lives, the sense of purpose and the sense of mission are just, you know, just they don't need to be reminded uh, of them. And then the, the types of people that you get to work with and the, the problems they're trying to solve and the skills and knowledge that is required to solve them and the energy and passion and commitment to do that is just an absolute pleasure for, you know, myself and the rest of the team, I think. Seems like a very exciting role, of course, with its challenges. And,
0: you know, from the outside in, it seems to be a role where design is taking out more responsibilities, uh, different functions and, uh, and uh, responsibilities. You know, we, we've seen design grow up over the decades going from just the, the kind of arts and crafts mm-hmm. and aesthetics to strategic to now systematic and, and complex systems. You know, in general, Philip, as you kind of seen design evolve over the decades and, of course, with your current role, but in general, what do you see as the biggest opportunities or maybe the future role of design in the coming years or maybe within the next decade?
1: You know, I think that's, that's a good question. I think every generation, every company, every design group asks that question. So it's like, you know, the design maturity of these decades, where are we, where are we going, how do we, how do we add Continues to add the maximum value. You know, another phrase that I've sort of lent on over the years is sort of big D design, in the sense that you know, does everything again is designed. It's considered there is context in in its relationship to one another. So you know, where is design going for a company like Intuitive and other places? I would often the product is the brand and it's the legacy item there, but as you get into more and more services that support the brand training or support services or digital services that, that help the proficiency and efficiency use of that system as you get into you know, brand and creative communication around that brand, even if you get into even even as far as, as, as facilities and things like that trade shows and et cetera I mean every, again every, every, every user or consumer touch point to that brand is speaking with with one voice one voice one mission so again i think as a design team you have your core responsibilities which you need to focus on and you need to do a good job there but you're also looking for other areas where you can you know collaborate and influence and again make one and one equal three so that that big d design I, i guess that's what i mean when we when we use that phrase
0: yeah and of course wholeheartedly agree with that you know, some people are familiar, others not. Uh, the big D and the small D, big D being the strategic uh, enabler for business. And, you know, as much as we've seen uh, the design industry mature over the decades and certainly the last few years, thanks to some of the design leaders, including including your organization, really pushing the envelope and design. Unfortunately, there's, there's still hurdles to overcome. You know, I think uh, we both might still agree even though there's been progress in kind of proving the value of design and quantifying it, it's still kind of a, a gray area. And, you know, there's a lot of progress there, but I think, uh, again, as much as design has evolved, there's still some challenges that we may face uh, now in the near future or the coming years. Is there anything that stands out for you as in general for the design community and industry, some challenges and hurdles that we still need to overcome collectively or within our organizations?
1: Some of, yeah, for sure. I mean, and some of it is our own doing, right? We, we can do a better job or have not done a good enough job in uh, clarifying exactly what, what design is and how it adds value. And I think that's, there's lots of evidence of that getting better. And, you know, the work that you and your company do around that is, you know, particularly notable and things like the you know, Design Council in the UK or some recent McKinsey reports that have been published and things like that, the, the, Design index, I think it was. There's things around that that, again, historically, I don't know if if design. Even if you said the word design to somebody, you would get in the street, like you would get a thousand different responses as to well, is it is it physical or digital? Is it you know industrial interior? Gra- you know what is it? Is it advanced conceptual? Is it you know what is it? So it's that that I think is just a reality and I, I wouldn't lose too much sleep over that. But I think, again, you have to think about, you just have to just look at it for where you are in that point of time and where the organization or the project that you're working on is and and and, and just solve that bit. And then I think, the you know, so there's, there's the design professionals and design community design education has a responsibility to do that and has a vested interest in doing that. And then I think there are just, you know, the, the, the partners that we work with, there are some companies, some CEOs, for example, or some countries or some, some entity that, that has probably brought design into the right stage, has embedded it and has embraced it and has seen the value of it and has put itself in a good place and is actually using design to its full potential and the apples, the Dysons, you know, the et cetera, you know, come to mind when you think about that. And then there are lots of other companies who I think just naively and probably are suffering, just just, just treat design as a service and treat it as a you know a nice to have, uh, something that happens at the end. So I think I think that is always going to be there to some extent. I don't I think it's getting better, but I think it will always be there, that this idea that it's the last stop on the way out the door. Yeah. Um, but I also, again, there was another phrase that someone, you know, victim mentality was like, you know, you're, you're, we're, we're, smart people we're doing uh, important work. Don't, don't blame a situation or blame somebody else for something. If, if, especially if you're working in a creative design problem solving environment, if there's a problem, then just like any other problem, you know, break it down and understand it and, you know, get over it. <laughs>
0: That's great advice, I always call it the pity party. We love to kind of uh yeah. put our heads down and, and mumble that uh, we you know the business doesn't get us or this or that, but uh, you know one yeah. of the one of the traits we have as designers is empathy, so let's practice what yeah. we preach and put ourselves in the shoes of others and find out how do we communicate yeah.
1: with them and, and uh, yeah and empathize yeah I don't think it's bad to say you know i I'm, I'm, I'm misunderstood or nobody understands me or I'm not being heard in the way I mean it, that's part of the process, right? That's at least the first, that's awareness, right? You're yeah. acknowledging that. And then I think is what do you do about it? And how do you, how do you break that down into, well, is there a fundamental disconnect or is it actually you know, something very simple that could be fixed that would open up a huge opportunity? So again, yes, whether it's a pity party or victim mentality or whatever, I, uh, you know, I think we're, we're the masters of our own destiny on that one.
0: Yeah, fully agree. You talked about big D uh, being the strategic side of design, as opposed to the small D, which is still very much needed, right? We still need to execute and make things beautiful and useful and desirable. Um, When it comes to the big D, what's your thoughts on design stepping up and trying to take on some of these larger, more complex responsibilities you know, things around the triple bottom line, uh, wicked problems, trying to help things for society, uh, the environment, et cetera, et cetera. Where do you think design's role is or should be in in that
1: kind of big ecosystem? Yeah, that's a good question. That's not an easy question. I think, when you again, when you look at big D and little d, I think it's actually they still go hand in hand. And even with some of those big problems is, yes, you may have whatever a designer, a design mind as part of the team, addressing those problems and opportunities, but the, the way that that person would contribute and the skills that they may call upon maybe some of the small D so how you visualize a problem, how you tell a story, how you prototype a solution, you know, all of those things I think is, so again, design, design and, and a design of a design co- toolkit is a sense as a, as a a collection of activities that you can do to help those problems. So, you know, I think, I don't think design can step back and say they have all the answers. I think they are a, clearly they don't. You know, you are a member of that team, and what you bring to it is often a visualization, storytelling, crafting of a solution in the same way that uh, an HR person or a finance person or a technical person may bring their piece to it. I think, again, you just have to say, I have a voice in the general discussion, but actually, how am I going to apply my professional skill set in a way that's going to help put one leg on this four-legged table, as it were? There are going to be other legs there. You need you need everybody to pull their weight. And I think you know, if design when design knows what its contribution is and does it well, others absolutely love it. They embrace it. They like it's fantastic. You have just visualized everything I've been trying to say in my language, and yet you put it into a visual language. So I think helping people get the same thought bubble above their head is huge. It's huge in the, in the early conceptualization phase, and it's equally huge in the commercialization promotion phase, right? When you try to tell somebody this is, this is a new idea and you should embrace it, I think even even down to the you know, the, you know we're, we're living in the times of COVID right now, and this idea of this phrase came about social distancing, and people were just like, well, what does that what does that mean? And you think, well, somebody in a room somewhere came up with this term, mm-hmm. and it made sense at the time. But actually, what it you know when it actually sort of trickled out, there was a little bit of discussion at the time around well, it's just you know keep six feet apart. So <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's what you mean. I got it. So it was even that right. There was yeah. So I think those you're part of the discussion and then you use your tools, your tool set, your toolkit to help influence the outcome along with other professions. Yeah. I think that's a great insight, you know, as
0: design grows up and we want to do more and, and drive the business uh, strategies and, and, and portfolio development, I think, you know, you, you raise a good point. It's, it's also those tools that we have in as a designer that are very powerful and gives us that kind of, ownership right just things about visual visualization and making things real right and something that is the right, right. of design that is yeah. a key a key influence and a, and a key contributor to maybe some of these bigger problems so i think it's you know it's not lose sight of the the skills that we have as designers that we really uh you know should embrace
1: well that's another one i think if people say you know design is a team sport and who owns design or who owns quality or who owns innovation right i mean it's that's a difficult one when you get into that space and you say well you know good ideas can come from anywhere and should come from anywhere but i think then as a designer it's understanding again what can you what what skill sets do you have that can contribute to that but also knowing what skill sets you don't have and what you don't know so that you do you do work with the others in those areas and respect them in the same way that you're asking for them to respect what you do so but i think that's another and maybe that's something that I've been fortunate enough, you know, working in, in-house in with companies, you get to form those relationships with other, you know, cross-functional, you know, peers, if you like. And if you can form those relationships and you can get into good working practices, you can make some real inroads. Whereas sometimes I, I don't have enough first-hand experience this personally, but I can often imagine as a consultant coming in, you know, you don't have necessarily the same level of skin in the game where you're not vested. And... That you don't have the same influence, and you're maybe not using the same language, or turning up in those other kind of forums where, where that's where the big changes are really going to happen. So I think it's, you know, it's it's there's a huge there's a huge role for design to play in all kinds of opportunities, big D and small D. But it, it's about collaboration and being a good team player ultimately.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely. what's going to make
1: success. Absolutely, hundred percent agree.
0: Uh, Philip, for somebody that's uh, been on both sides of the pond, I know you've been in the states uh, for a majority of your career, uh, but still some connections to the motherland, if you will. Uh, would you say that there's any major similarity, similarities or differences between
1: design uh, in the U.S. in EU? Well, again, having, uh, having lived in the states now for 20 years, but having grown up in other other countries, primarily Europe. I mean, first of all, it's like you can't really say U.S. than you're right because you get into countries and states and coasts and they're wildly different, but is the sweeping differences. I think, you know, historically I always, I mean, I always thought that, you know, I think many people might, America was a land of opportunity. It was less about, you know, what your, your father did or your ancestors had done. And you, you know, there was a land of opportunity and it was innovation and, uh, and, and a, a great, great to come here and so many great companies here and the resources were here. So that was, that's obviously, a, I think, a, a difference. Aesthetically, there is a difference. You know, I think, you know, having lived for a little while in Italy and, and the value that and, and that is placed on, you know, you don't go out into the street in your sweatpants. It's not acceptable socially <laughs> versus other parts of the world where it might be. So, I mean, even those kind of just visual cues that exist there, I don't know if that's really design, but, I mean, there are cultural things that play into it. And then I guess the only other one on that one is I, again, for, I think the U S rightly or wrongly correctly or incorrectly has this sort of perception that it's comfort and convenience. And sometimes that, you know, I think design for usability is important, but designing the thing that is just the big lazy boy couch that is just, Oh yeah. Okay. It's super comfortable, but let's be honest here off the, (laughs) it's hideous, you know, for other you know other dimensions so i don't know that that's uh i'm getting down a rat hole here but that's uh there are some there are some differences historically much greater than i think they'll be going forward i think we're actually living in a much more of a we're so connected we like you know increasingly sadly perhaps like the same things and, and see the same things that those cultural differences are actually you know some of the, the positive cultural differences are actually being eroded a
0: uh, great insights and as somebody who's also Spent some time on the other side of the pond myself, uh, maybe eight years in total. Some time in Italy. I agree with that. I think you know there's the the cultural differences, but I see personally that uh, design as a profession is a little bit more mature in Europe. At least uh, some of the roles I know, design management is more prominent in Europe than U.S. Would you agree or disagree with those viewpoints?
1: I don't know. Not really. I mean, maybe the sort of the academic side of it, and maybe some of the courses, and even some of the companies that ran, you know, that even talked about design leadership and design management had originated in the US, in the Europe, sorry. But I don't think you could say it's more advanced. I think on the same side, you know, the US has for a long time been sort of at the forefront of, of all kinds of advances in design, you know, particularly around technology and increasing, you know, I'm um, talking you know, we're we're both in California right now, Silicon Valley, all the rest of it. So I mean it's you know, if you if you wanted to be at the forefront of those movements, this this is the place to be for that, for sure. And it, it shifts from time to time. But um, uh, I've never, to be honest, I've never really, I've never really thought about it too deeply. I mean, I, I acknowledge there are differences, but I think there again, there are more things in common than we have different. Uh, maybe the U.S. is a little bit more that sort of innovation pioneering spirit. Just you know, make it and try it, and let's learn from it has has mean that it's you no know, it's just not been so academic and documented it. It's just it's been more <laughs> shoot from the hip, if that's the phrase. But maybe maybe there's a little bit of that in there. Yeah, really great. Uh, speaking of advancing
0: and in closing for for the session here, any advice to our listeners who maybe want to advance their careers in design leadership, moving up the ladder from from designer to manager to leader, any advice in how one might advance their careers or possibly elevate design in their organization?
1: You know, I think for individuals, it has to be do what you love, right? If you're, if you're lucky enough to, and to, to, if you're a designer and it's what you chose, I assume it's what you chose, and then, and then and you are successful and you're working on interesting projects with good people, then I think, you know, be grateful for that, have confidence in that, appreciate it, and love what you do because... That's the most important thing. And then I think in terms of advancement, whether you want to be, you know, the individual contributor or you want to go into a management path, I think again, those are important decisions to make. I think sometimes people may wrongly perceive that the only way to advance is a management track. And I don't think that's the case. I think both, both tracks have equal potential in different ways, but they have potential. And I think, you know, I think it's just context again. And when you say advancement, it's, it, you know, you have to say from what, to what, by when, doing what. I mean, I think you have to, to look at all of that. And I don't know, I don't, I don't think of myself as somebody who ever sat down and actually honestly sort of said, I, you know, I want to advance. I think I, I, mean, I said at the beginning, I've been lucky enough to work for, for companies and with people and with teams where we've been doing good work and that work has advanced. And you, and you sort of get to almost ride that wave in a way. And, and it's, it's more of that journey than it is about, you know, I need to be here by X. I think it's more about enjoy what you do, be good at it, bring value and you will advance. Um, if you don't enjoy it and you're not doing good work, well, guess what? <laughs> you won't advance. Well,
0: in closing, I think those are great words to, to remember and hopefully live by. Love what you do. It's important that we all enjoy it, and um, especially the times we're in now really kind of questioning what is our purpose, mm. and, and, and is it fulfilling. Um, so yeah. love what you do. Uh, Philip, thank you for your time. We look forward to seeing uh, some more amazing things coming out of your cor- current organization, and uh, who knows where you may or may not uh, end up down the road. So curious to follow your career journey as it continues. So again, thank you very much for your time, and I look forward to crossing paths with you again soon. It's a pleasure, Jay.
1: Thank you very much. Take thank care. You.
0: Thank you for joining us for this session of the Design Leadership Podcast. I do hope that you gained some valuable insights and inspiration to help further you along in your path in design leadership. If you would like to learn more on how myself and my colleagues have helped to empower design leaders for the past 22 years through consulting, coaching, educating, and uniting design leaders across the globe, please check out our suite of services found online at empowering.design. I wish you the best of success in your design leadership journey and pursuit of design excellence. Be well and stay safe.